1: Bye. Bye. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, and welcome to the second in our four-part series entitled The Best Thing I Ever Taught. Hi, Amanda. Hello, everybody. I almost said the best thing I ever ate because that is what we are – that's our inspiration, the Food Network show, The Best Thing I Ever Ate. And I guess I'm hungry, so there's – I could
0: go for a molten chocolate lava cake right now.
1: I could go for like an Italian sub.
0: Ooh.
1: Right. So, like, yeah. Amanda and I were just before we hit record talking about the weather, as we are wont to do, being from very different parts of the country. True. I'm in Southern California, and she's in a suburb outside of Chicago. So, like, very different. And it's mid October. So, like, it was 93 here the other day. It's going to be 80 today, and like down to 70 tomorrow. And I'm like reveling in the idea that I might wear sleeves. My and word. Amanda said it snowed last week on Monday. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: so our food cravings are also very much telling of the differences of just like where we're at.
0: One time we had a class party and I made chocolate lava cake in the crock pot because you basically do like the way you make it is Bro, you put, you're cool. I was cool. Oh my gosh, this is way before I was like aware of how cool I was too! like, I, the glory days are so far behind me. But it, you basically <laughs> take like chocolate cake mix. And instead of mixing it with the like eggs and oil, or I don't know, I can't remember the exact recipe. But the center of your mix, you put chocolate pudding.
1: Yeah, I've seen this. Yes.
0: Yes. So it was it's amazing. Not raw,
1: It's just lava. Yes.
0: It's just lava. I don't so it was fun. pretty cool and it was it was really uh, a wonderful crowd party this is like way before covid right like everyone's scooping cake out of the same crockpot kind of thing was happening Boy. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess scooping is not. It's really, really not that bad but it was, just,
1: it was just more the way that you were starting to get into
0: like the nitty-gritty of <laughs> scooping, but I was like, Bleh. but that's not actually what we're here to talk about today. But this is the inspiration. <laughs> we've we've derailed already, so you know what? Either you're here or you've changed no. your Listen. episode. I'm not sure. Listen. We are talking
1: today about the best thing I ever taught: group work edition. And this podcast is an example of group work. And sometimes Duh. in group work, students get off task, like we just were, and then you rail it back in and you give them the skills that it takes to get back
0: on track. There, did I do it? I think, I think so. Listeners, eh? listeners, did we, did we do it? They're shaking their heads.
1: No, they really are. You know what they want us to do?
0: Cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here.
1: Enjoy the show. All right, friends. Group work. The dreaded or maybe idolized, I don't know. It depends on how you feel about group work. It depends on what part of the year you're at, the way you feel about group work. It depends what students you have in front of you, their age, what you expect them to get out of group work. I personally used to detest giving students group work. And now collaboration is one of the like pillars, as we say in curriculum rehab, pillars of my teaching practice is student collaboration. So my,
0: what a 180. Right there with you. Uh, if we were to do a quick little before and after little baby Amanda versus Ooh, I, like I know better, Amanda. I love um, when we talk about baby Amanda. She's so cute. Oh, she, oh, she Poor Amanda. just Just didn't know so many things. She was
1: just so cute and full of life.
0: I can very vividly remember like the panic stricken. So another clarifying thing, sometimes people listen to the podcast and they think Marie and Amanda must have always taught angelic children. It sounds like nothing (laughs) ever went wrong in their classes. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that we can dispel that myth immediately for the duration of my career. I taught gen ed kids. I mean, I've taught other things as well, um, but I've taught, generally every kind of behavior and mostly students who needed me to rein it in. I mean, there was not a day that went by that I didn't have a strict routine procedure in place. And when they weren't, things were definitely falling apart. So group work was one of those things that I felt like I had to hyper-organize, right? In order for everyone to not fall apart, Planning a group work lesson, I felt like I needed directions on the board, directions on the handout, something to collect every five seconds. And it, all of a sudden, like one little single class period lesson was so involved in the planning. I created all this stuff for me to be responsible for grading. And so very quickly I got burned out on doing group work. You know, I dreaded it a lot, like you said, but that's why.
1: It creates that you create a beast for yourself one way or the other. You either under plan or over plan group work, right? There's either the, we'll just figure it out when kids are not prepared to figure it out. Or yes. that, I mean, in my, if we're talking about little baby Marie teacher, like, Or micromanage to the point where I burn myself out and the kids are like, kindly get out of my chest cavity, like
0: get away from me, (laughs) leave me alone. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, yes. And I think that's what made it so, so challenging and difficult. I also remember that stage of my career. And we've talked about this before. I know you have too. That was the beginning of my career when I was still feeling that pressure to try something new all the time, Every you know, day. cause you're in yes. all these trainings and you're like, Oh, I should use the thing I learned in the training, you know, cause they're going to ask me about it. And it was yeah. a lot. And that made for group work to not really serve the purpose it's supposed to serve. So fast forward to older, more experienced and more brilliant, Amanda. We'll
1: call, we'll call her Wiser.
0: Wiser. Amanda, yeah, more wrinkly, gonna, wrinkly in yeah. the forehead, but no, uh, that's because guys. of all the group work, though. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I have also had this this transformation where it is a pillar. It is something that I use purposefully as a tool once a week at a minimum. And I have baked that in, you know, one of the things, again, we're talking about curriculum rehab. This is a course that Marie and I developed as our kind of signature flagship place for teachers to go to get the training that they need to think about their curriculums from both like the the wide angle lens and the day to day. You know, one of the things I share in there is kind of like this template I use week by week by week. And A piece of that is like Marie said, deciding on your pillars, what matters to you and group work matters to me so much that I, I once a week, I'm using it as a way to kind of organize my students as they're coming off of an assessment. The assessment gives me information about where students are, and then I'm putting them into groups based on ability. I use ability or um, comprehension success as a grouping technique a lot of times because, I can then remediate or have my co-teacher remediate groups that really need it. And I can scaffold what's needed for the other groups. But I think that group work is something that even though we're gonna share our most successful and favorite lessons today is something that we have way more to discuss of troubleshooting and when you need help. A lot more of that is available for you in our course and certainly other episodes that will be in the show. I kind of am feeling like a whole,
1: well, we did a whole collaboration series. We did. Where we did talk about student collaboration, but I wonder if it would like bear like a bonus episode to that series where we actually sit down and talk through the lessons that we give students on training them and how to collaborate. Because that is something that like, whereas Amanda uses group work as a means of remediation or or just like after an assessment, right? Like restoration, if you will. I use it as preparation for an assessment. like, like my focus is on preparation for assessment, processing of information, et cetera. Like I use it on the front end, whereas Amanda uses it on the back end, just depending on like where we're at. It can work brilliantly all sorts of places. But one of the like key things to take away from this moment is that group work is only going to be as successful as your students are ready for it. And so whatever that means, meeting them where they're at, bringing them the tools that they need, practicing those strategies and skills for collaboration for. So maybe like Amanda's going to give you a good example of something that has worked brilliantly in her class. I'm going to give you an example of something that works brilliantly in my class. They are not going to be revolutionary. They're not going to be something that you're like, oh my gosh, we have broken the mold on teaching in the 21st century. But You'll just see them from like through this lens of here's what it takes to get students to the place where this can be successful. And here's why it's successful. Please excuse this interruption, listeners. We have something that we want to tell you about. It is just about November. It is about that time of year where you start thinking about gratitude, maybe gift giving, maybe the different things in your life that give you the warm fuzzies. And wouldn't it be great to get your students thinking that way, too?
0: We have always heard requests from our listeners that we need help with things that help us get us through the day-to-day, things like bell work. So what we did was pair together a seasonal demand with something that you can actually practically use. We have got gratitude-themed bell ringers all queued up and ready for you to use.
1: Absolutely. We have three full weeks. Those three full weeks that you're teaching in November would be perfect, but truly you can use this any time of the year. Every single day of the week, we have bell ringers for you that are different types of prompts that get students thinking about things that they are grateful for, things that they have to look forward to, and other sorts of just overall positive things to start getting at that social, emotional learning aspect without being super over the top. It's very organic, and they are ready, built for
0: you. The slide deck is all built in Google Slides, ready for you to use and customize as needed. We want you guys to head right now to our show notes or head simply to www.curriculumrehab.com gratitude, and you'll have those bell ringers in your hands in no time. So again,
1: either head to the show notes for this episode or to curriculumrehab.com gratitude, sign up totally free. It's ready student facing just for you. All right, let's get back into the show. want me to go first yes I do I always make you go first because I'm like go friend you're brilliant and I want to hear you
0: and you but as are you I'd love to hear yours first this time
1: oh toss my hair uh so because I use mine as a means for preparation for a summative I'll tell you what the summative normally is if I'm like really talking about a group summative and then how I help students prepare for that summative I love, especially, teach, because I've been teaching seniors for the last couple of years, and so we've just got a different level of discourse, right? We're just at a different echelon of what I'm expecting out of them when they are having conversations in class and for their deep, like, critical thinking and just going outside of the box and asking questions. So one of my favorite assessments, summative assessments for students, is a podcast, episode where they're in a group, maybe it's three people. I've had groups of eight be really successful in just the way that they planned a whole, it was like a 20 minute podcast episode because there were so many kiddos in it. It had acts to it. I gave them questions. This is part of my, uh, my systems of power unit where we, we talked about this a few episodes ago, gosh, a while ago, actually, where we did a unit makeover for, uh, just mercy, my systems of power unit that uses just mercy. And I also do a walkthrough of this unit in our memoir and by bio- teaching memoir and biography workshop. Okay, I'm done with the plugs now. I just want you to know where you can find the information. like when you're looking at the show notes, those are the links to look at. This podcast summative has students grapple with huge big topics, like talking about our social justice system and is it really serving everybody? likening it or even contrasting it with another system of power within our U.S. government and then also linking it back to their own daily lives, to literature that they've read, et cetera. And so asking students to have an ongoing conversation in something like what you and I are doing right now, a podcast is a big ask. So there are a lot of skills that are going to need to be in place and practice before they are going to be successful at that. And it's not going to be too daunting and overwhelming. We're going to need to practice Asking questions. We're going to need to practice answering and unpacking tough questions. We're going to need to practice talking to each other in a way that is concise and clear and gets your whole point across as quickly as possible. And we're going to need to practice listening. Those four, asking questions, answering questions, talking to each other, and listening to each other, are no easy feat. And so while that assessment is one of my favorite ways to get students working together as a big summative, To prepare them for that, I love a good Socratic seminar, but not the typical Socratic seminar. I keep calling this a team Socratic seminar, and I know some of our listeners have already corrected me and told me the right verbiage for what this is called, and I've forgotten every time what it is called. But it's like where you call it like a wingman, pilot, co-pilot, something, something, something. Like there's a title. I call it team Socratic seminar. And basically, you've got one person who is like the player, and then you've got the hype team behind that. <laughs> so it's an it's a fishbowl, inner circle, outer circle. I've explained this a few different times. We have this specific discussion style as a part of our discussion series that we did, which we will link that specific episode down below as well. But the ins and outs of it are, there are three people on a team, maybe two people, but ideally three people on a team. The person who is the active player at any given time is the one who is actively within a Socratic circle in like Answering and discussing a question. And then they've got two members of their hype team that are like feeding them information. That grapples with one question for the whole class. Then students get a second question for the class that they get to prepare for a few minutes. The next member of the team is in the middle and they've got their hype members. And then it happens a third time. However, many members there are of the team, that's how many questions I give them. That's one of the greatest ways to practice. And then as we get more advanced and more practicey with this activity or this strategy, they start asking their own questions
0: and that starts getting into different parts of the skills that I need them to have to do their summative. And I love it. I love like picturing myself in some of these and like being part of a hype team is so cool. And I think what you're, you're talking about and that's not, you're not, you haven't even said, but I know exists is not only is this great group work and so good for students in the moment, but this is also another layer in building your classroom community. Mm -hmm right absolutely like, these absolutely. kinds of things like used again using them repeatedly sets up and establishes a, a community of this is what we do is we we lean on each other we work on each other we're not point grubbing or making sure that everything is perfectly distributed evenly, you know, we're we're always leaning on each other, sometimes more than others. And it's a very organic and um, I would love to be in your classroom, I would love to be either in the circle or hyping somebody up. I think that that's just such a cool, a cool way of establishing and like reestablishing again, your classroom community. It's fun.
1: And like like just changing the verbiage from the technic or from like the typical totally. co-pilot or wingman or whatever, like to player and hype team. Like that's just so fun. And it's a different way to th- think about it. And like you said, build community. Um, that was a quick run through of it. And I'm sure that many of you listening are like, oh yeah, I've definitely done that before. Oh yeah, I've seen that before. I should try it. It really it's a great strategy and it happens to be one of
0: my favorites that I bring back all the time in my classroom. All versions of Socratic Seminar are just, not only are they great assessments, but they're great group work style activities. I think that that's phenomenal. Do you have a highlight saved on your Instagram? I have a reel that I did as a TikTok and a reel that I can link the direct to it. Like that short, short video. Yeah. Let me, let me write that down. While you're doing that, I'll talk about mine. I'm actually going to share, since this was our best ever, I'm not actually looking at like one of the more like benign kinds of group activities that I do that I was speaking of earlier. One that I want to talk about that was my best ever is actually a ever. formative assessment. Yeah, I use it as a formative assessment. And so there are two layers. This is called the group living tableau. And a tableau is a... I've learned it kind of in an improv theater type of scenario in undergrad. And the idea is that your group, their responsibility is to recreate a scene, but they're doing it as they're going to stage themselves as a still image. So they're creating a still life, a human still life of a moment in what they've just read. So it requires a couple of pieces. So the first piece would be the prompt, right? So you're going to ask them, let's say something very simple, like, what was the most crucial turning point for Walter in act one of Raised in the Sun? right? Or in acts one and two, like maybe you're going to give them more Uh space to choose from. Um, And so you're going to ask them a prompt that's, and they're going to have to answer it with a scene or a moment. And that will be what the group has to construct. So the first level is going to send them back to the text. That's something that we're always trying to do with group work is it's their second time or their third time going backwards into a text. that They've already read, they've already processed, and now they're going to do it with their group which ensures like I, I don't really love doing brand new text in a group. There's no way to guarantee, you know, that everyone's really got what they need. So again, that's another reason I like doing it on the back end. It's a little too much. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. And it depends on what you need to get out of it. But in this case, I want them to go back into the text and pick out the scene. Or I've given them a list to choose from to make it even simpler. And they're going to choose the scene that best answers the prompt. And so within the group, you can do this again, depending on the comfort level of your classroom and how your students are self-sufficient or not. You can assign roles. Giving kids very specific jobs within the picture, you can just say "do it." Um, But typically, I like to have a simple rule of one student can sit out of the picture because that person will be the narrator. They're going to narrate the picture, right? So everyone else has to be in it, and they have to be an active object or person. And so once they've reread through the scene, they're going to answer a few close reading types of questions around tone, mood, right? Like movement, like where things are going to be. And um, if they need to create a prop that not already there, that's really important. Um, like for example, I know a lot of my students like to do the scene where um, if we're speaking about a raisin in the sun uh, where Ruth and Walter have their fight over the eggs. So many, many a time I have students trying to, you know, cobble together a frying pan out of, you know, duct tape or something. <laughs> And, uh, cause you know, kids are like, I want to be the egg. And I'm like, I just don't know if the scale is going to work on that one so much. So tell me your motivation um, as an egg. Yeah. But yeah, so they, they recreate the scene and everyone has to be in it. You could be the, you could be the refrigerator and just standing there. You could be Ruth. You could be Walter. You could be the frying pan, but everyone has to be in it. And then when it's that group's turn, They go up to the front of the room, they create, you know, they put themselves in their positions where they're supposed to be. And then I will say three, two, one freeze. And so they're not allowed to move, which of course, always gets a little giggle, right? Because, you know, somebody can't hold it together. Um, (laughs) But then the narrator, the narrator's job is to walk us through the scene, showcasing who's who, what's what, and how all of the decisions were made. And then basically orally responding to the prompt of this is the scene, this is why we chose it. Here you can see this, here you can see that. And then we take turns. So everyone gets to see each of the living tableaus. Of course, I take a picture so that there is a memory of what it was. Um, And from there, you have a lot of choices. You can have students go back to their groups and write something formalized. You can have them do this In a lot of other ways, they can continue to respond, or you can just be done. And then I I sometimes will add Flipgrid as a piece. Sometimes if we can't come back together in a timely manner, I'll just send them off to go make their tableaus, record themselves doing the walkthrough, and then we watch all the Flipgrids. That just usually depends on space, if you're digital, virtual, like all kinds of things. But Flipgrid's a great tool because then those walkthroughs and those those videos stay there. So like you could, you could accumulate them like act by act. And then by the end you would have all of the videos. So it's just another tech layer to add if you were interested, but it works for anything. And the kids have minimal that they have to do to participate.
1: Well, and I, I was just going to say, I think what I find brilliant about activities specific to this one is you can randomize groups and you can have your kid who is like, Oh my God, get me out of here. I be a chair. You know, and like they are, they are equally participating just the same as the eager little Marie who is like, I can't wait to talk. Who's the narrator of the scene? Like they're still just as important or yeah, like the kid that really wants to be the egg. You just kind of got an oddball gets to be the oddball egg. And then the other kid that wants to be like the main character gets to be the main, right? Like everybody gets a little bit to participate in their own way, the way that they're. It's
0: very non-threatening and it's, and I've always had, you know, groups of students that are a combination of neurodivergent, neurotypical. Like I've always had like very varying levels of comfort, you know, as I'm sure most of us have. And I think what's nice is like, it gives them a chance to, go in front of the class and like be there. But the stakes are so low in terms of like the, the product, right? Like, but they've done like the close reading. They've done all the important English work uh-huh. ahead of time. But what they're putting on display is just a moment of courage to be a chair. And, and even, and if they opt out of that, it's not the end of the world either, right? Like the, that's another piece of this, right? Is that the, there's not learning loss if the group component doesn't work,
1: it's an augmentation or it's, it's a, it's an addition. It's an addition to, yeah.
0: And it's not like, you kind of want to, that's the thing. Another thing that was hard when I was first teaching was how do I set up a group work situation where you feel like everything has to be equal, but like really everything shouldn't be equal, you know? And yeah, well, I was just going to say like, and grading
1: group work is always kind of the like, Uh, kids always want to know, is this individually graded or is this one big group grade? And like, that's one of those things where you've got other components to it, where the group work itself, it's like participation. Good job. But then the individual pieces surrounding the group work are the parts that kids actually get scored on. And it's the same thing that I've got with like this team Socratic method. It's, did you do it? Were you there? Were you present? Awesome. Great credit listening speaking skill because it's formative. It's all of those things like leading up to a summative. And then show me your work where you were preparing as a group and you were taking notes on each of these questions, the discussion questions
0: in preparation for conversation. That's your actual grade because that's what you were. And that's what I love about yeah ours is usually there's a writing component that happens before, during, or after, or all of the above. And that's what I'm grading is what you've written about your analysis of the scene. Done. Yep. Love it.
1: Yes. All right, friends, we have so many, this, this whole series of the best thing I ever taught is going to be rife with links in the show notes. These are going to be some like pretty lengthy show notes. So make sure you find like pa- pause us or like do what you need to do to get yourself to the show notes to get a bunch of different links. We're going to link our discussion series, our collaboration series that explains some of these elements in more depth. And then the reel that Amanda was talking about that I had created, we're going to have a lot of information for you. So next week, we will be back with you with a whole nother episode from the best thing I ever taught. And maybe we'll eat chocolate lava cake before then. I don't know. I'm just going to try to manifest that into its existence. In if life. you
0: are going to make, a, a, I'll link my recipe for chocolate lava cake in a crock pot. Thank of you. all the links you I, really I, need in the show notes, that's the
1: one. I mean, I would just like to manifest an Italian sub first, like a nice cold with like chopped pickles Mm. on it and like vinaigrette. I don't know, man. I don't know how that one's going to work out, but like I might be going to get a sandwich today.
0: So, Do you guys have Jersey Mike's out there? We do. I was just thinking about Jersey Mike's. Get out of my head. I think I might be ordering a little Grubhub in a minute here.
1: I guess we've made a plan. You know what, friends? We're going to let you go because we have lunch plans. Okay, bye. uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Check out the show notes and we will see you next week after we have a big, huge sandwich and some lava cake. See you next time. Bye. Bye.
0: (laughs) Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.